0: Hey, you were bald before Trey Young made it cool You were a pioneer You are an OG of baldness Now all the kids are doing it It's true Live
1: from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles Trey's going to be one of us He's there Trey Young pound for pound
0: is the best bald athlete in the world Oh <laughs> trade. Earlier on the show, host of the Dan Patrick Show, Dan Patrick. Coming up. ESPN
1: college basketball analyst Jay Billis. Baseball Hall of Famer Tom
0: Glavin. And now, it's Rich Eisen. All
1: righty, everybody. Welcome to hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show. Great chat with Dan Patrick and hour one baseball Hall of Famer Tom Glavin will be joining us in hour number three. But Chris Brockman, Mike Deltufo. And good to see see you over there in your spot. TJ Jefferson, good to see you in your spot um and we've we have uh, we have an extra human in studio this is fantastic it's extra human beings in studio uh joining us from the worldwide leader in sports one of the best analysts in the business talking college and talking round ball good to see you jay billis how are
0: you? i've been elevated to human that's a good day for me elevated and to human you're an actual human and I, and I
1: do have to say you know um you, you have made a choice and this is a choice that we all make whenever we play golf Uh, which it does appear you will be doing uh, as soon as you leave here today. Uh, you went lime green on the top. Is that, I went lime uh, green. You went lime yeah. green on, 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 for, for a shirt. That's a, yeah, it's that's, the only one that was clean. I've <laughs> on, been on
0: vacation for a while.
1: Well, I've, uh, <laughs> we, we also noticed on your Instagram that you've been playing a lot of golf as well, which is fantastic.
0: I evidently. haven't played in about two weeks, though. Oh, uh, my gosh. So it's a, that's the longest period the of the summer. Of the, well,
1: you've been busy. We, we saw what you were doing last week. And let's jump into uh, a little bit of that before we get to the name, image, likeness, whatever. Because I, I don't know if you're aware, uh, you being in studio for hour number two, I plan to solve... All of the problems involving college athletics
0: by the time you leave here—it won't be hard, don't you think? No, we can do it in one word: deregulate. Deregulate. It's over. So how about that? Let's start right there. (laughs) Deregulate. That's it. Simple and
1: because today is the last day on planet Earth in the United States of America in college athletics where name, image, and likeness laws will not be on the books and kids will not be will 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 be if you will not allowed to make money off of their name, image, and likeness, correct? Today's the
0: last day. Basically, yeah. So today's the last day that amateurism has at least a shadow meaning in our culture. Mm -hmm. Because the NCAA has said for over 100 years that college sports are pure amateur and that players cannot receive any remuneration for their athletic reputation or for play. Mm Mm-hmm and NIL has been part of that sort of commercials NIL means name image and likeness as you mentioned and that means you know being in commercials doing an ad things like that uh putting your name on a camp uh teaching teaching the sport uh that you you uh participate in to young people uh, you know giving tennis lessons if you're a tennis player right. and using your name associated with it um now so that was deemed to be professional so now the the NCAA has given up on that, and now they're saying our players are professional. Now we're still not going to pay them. Now now they've made the distinction that the players cannot be employees of the university. So they have moved the goalposts to mm. use a you know another sports metaphor. Right. But to, to, they've moved the goalposts there. But but amateurism is dead basically. It's and and so. Um
1: Tomorrow, how many states have, have oh, these I do in the many, book? But, so like but, six, I th- I think I read it was at like least six that. here it, in California, yeah. Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And and once you once you include Florida, I mean certainly in college athletics, certainly in college football, I mean that's all she wrote. I mean the dominoes are going to have to fall here. Well, you know?
0: it, it's it's all she wrote. I mean California started all this right uh, when Senator Nancy Skinner put legislation forward called the Fair Pay to Play Act. Uh, that's what started. And it shows you what competition looks like in America. As soon as other States saw that California was doing it, they're like, well, we have to keep up. And it shows what athletes are worth, that this is all being done because everybody's worried about access to players that, that this is going to, this is going to give a recruiting advantage to one state or another. So what the NCAA is doing now, because they got their tails handed to them in the Supreme court, uh, over the Alston case, uh, where they were again, found to be a antitrust violator Mm -hmm. a serial antitrust violator now the NCAA is afraid to have any restrictions on athletes with regard to name image and likeness at all so they're saying uh right now starting tomorrow you can any school can do whatever your state allows Mm -hmm. or you can fashion your own nil policy if your state doesn't spell it out for you and so they they've basically punted Punted. on nil Yeah, yeah punted well they they're totally unprepared they didn't expect to lose at the Supreme Court level, um, but they've they've had their heads in the sand for a long time on this. This was coming, and they haven't passed anything. They haven't done anything. They wanted to wait. A lot of them wanted to wait until the outcome of the Supreme Court case, and, well, and I don't think they expected to get it handed to them Jay on Billis that level. Here on the Rich Eisen Show, especially with Brett Kavanaugh
1: chiming in with his own two cents, essentially saying, hey um, – Everybody who wants to bring more litigation to show off the antitrust violations that the NCAA appears to be perpetrating on a mass level, bring it. Because you know it looks like they they are antitrust violators on a mass level. And players could get paid, legitimately
0: paid. Yeah. For that's their where we're headed. So if, if you if you went back a little bit, not to bore you with sort of some of this legal stuff, but all this stems back to nineteen eighty four mm-hmm. when there was a case called the Border Regents case, the Oklahoma and Georgia Border Regents. So that was the last time the NCAA was in front of the United States Supreme Court, but that was a, a case that was brought by schools against the NCAA saying, You can't tell us how many times we can be on television. The NCAA used to tell schools you can only be on television so often because they were worried it was going to affect they'd oversaturate the TV market uh-huh. and it affect gate receipts like people stop coming to the games. That that the infinite wisdom of the NCAA the television money was a, a pittance compared to <laughs> ticket sales, so they sued uh, on, under the same theory that the players just did antitrust and won. Now in that case. Was some language that is referred to as dicta, like offhand comments by the court that had nothing to do with the ruling. Mm-hmm. That said that the thing that separates uh, the NCAA from the pros is the players cannot be paid, and that's been used by courts all those years to really for the NCAA to win their cases on the amateurism front. Uh, and and so the courts gave great deference to the NCAA. They probably won seventy five percent of their cases in court. The Alston case that just got decided Mm -hmm. took all that away. Like the court said, nope, this doesn't matter anymore. It was wrong at the time. It was used as dictates. It shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was used essentially as as law, and it shouldn't have been, Mm -hmm. and no longer. And from now on, NCAA, you are going to have to justify your business practices in every case and show that your policies are not anti-competitive and and make a pro-competitive justification for it. And Kavanaugh said... In a concurring opinion, that um, the NCAA's the way the NCAA does business with regard to athletes would be illegal in any other industry. Like if they tried to do that to restaurant workers and said, you know, all restaurant workers have to work for the love of the love of the, the love business. of the food. Yeah, the love of food um, that'd be illegal. Christ. I mean, he did. He went he went down a list of like medical workers. If they did it just for 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 medicine, you know, for the good of the public good, be illegal. Uh, if you did it in law, it'd be for love of the law, it'd be illegal, and and the last line in there was the NCAA is not above the law, and if if people think that courts around the country mm-hmm. are not going to take that as this is what we have to do now, like the the the, the deference that the NCAA got is over, and and not a, not just on on sort of academic benefits which the Alston case was about, but name, image, and likeness and actual pay. I don't think the NCAA is going to be able to win these cases going forward. So,
1: uh, Jay Bill is here uh, on the Rich Eisen show. Uh, maybe a law can be written to save them because that's I'm already reading that Mitch McConnell's come out and said maybe we need to pass a law to you know assist the NCAA. I'm kind of putting I don't know if you use the word assist, but maybe we need a law here to address what's going on in the NCAA, are they like lobbying Congress to basically say, oh, yeah. come in here and let's write a law where we don't have to pay players and run yeah. that up the Supreme Court flagpole? The NC- well,
0: the Supreme Court wouldn't have anything to do with that. If if Congress passes a law, that's that's going to carry the day. Okay. That's really what the court says. Like if Congress wants to step in and take care of this, they can. Right and give, give the NCAA an antitrust exemption and allow them to continue to violate That's That's antitrust law. That's where they would go. Right? That's where they're going. So the NCAA w- will ask for an antitrust exemption. I cannot imagine that Congress, as divided as it is, mm-hmm. would give a serial antitrust violator an antitrust exemption when they're making billions of dollars and say, okay, but you can keep restricting this one aspect of the business here, which which clearly it's being proven now, is is very valuable to you and very valuable in the open market and the free market. Uh so I would have a hard time imagining that's going to happen, but there is a thought process out there right now that without a national standard, you know, people use the term wild wild west, which I just call business. Uh they also say bidding wars, there are going to be bidding wars for players. That's called business. You know, the rest of the world, that's called business. If somebody, if one entity offers you a contract and another entity says, no, we'll see that and raise it Mm -hmm. and they go back and forth or or you're buying a house and you bid on it, that's called business. Um, So we can handle this. It's not that big of a deal. The the one thing, Rich, I'm hopeful of and I believe will happen is from July 1 forward, Mm -hmm. when we don't have federal legislation. People are going to find that the world will not spin off its axis. Uh, the games will go off on time. Everybody, their checks are going to clear. Everything's going to be okay. And doomsday isn't around the corner in college sports. Uh, it's not a big deal. Like they, they, Just like we've had, we've had drastic change since 1984, since that last uh, Supreme Court case, the Board of Regents case. We've had drastic change, but it's all been on the revenue side. So there's been there's been incredible increases in revenue generated mm-hmm. and then in in salaries paid in facilities built and nobody had a problem with it. Nobody said, put the brakes on this, stop this. We got to go to Congress to stop this. Nobody said that. Well, I think people have no problem if institutions
1: um, are uh, paying for new buildings and for coaches. They don't have a problem with that. They would have a problem with a bidding war for an athlete's services because there will only be a handful of institutions who can afford that. Or, you know, I'll put – it It won't be the battle for the hearts and minds of the student-athlete to see if they can come to their program. It'll be who's got better Buddy Garrity's to pony up the cash for these people. And – that's where I think people will say, hey, the world is spinning off its axis and there's really only five teams that can win a national championship because they've
0: got the money for the athletes. Which is already happening because instead of, instead of the, the booster giving money to uh, provide to a player via contract, mm-hmm. they're giving it to the school to build these gigantic facilities or to get the coach fired or hired or all these different things. The facilities that are being built now are being built for one reason and one reason only, and that's for recruiting. So rather, because we cannot offer anything to the players, what we're saying is look at the fabulous environment we'll build for you. Mm-hmm. So you can come in here and, and you'll be able to sit in plush leather seats and uh, while you watch film and uh, you'll eat this way or that way. And and actually eating is a good example of, of sort of the world spinning off its axis theory that the NCAA had. So you'll probably remember this. It might be might have been five six years ago. Uh, the NCAA used to control what players ate, so you could have one meal a day provided by your your university, <laughs> and and it got to the point where where it, like if, if Michigan would have a morning workout, mm. uh, they might want something for the players to eat there in the locker room. So you they had a rule. It was the fruits, nuts, and bagels rule. So you could provide fruit nuts and bagels, but you couldn't provide, you couldn't have cream cheese on the bagel because that would make it a meal. So you could have grapes, but not grape jelly. You could have peanuts, but not peanut butter, stuff like that. So we used to make fun of that all the time, guys like me, about how ridiculous that is, that we're policing a spread on a bagel. And so I actually had this discussion with someone at the NCAA one time, and and it was a, a wonderful woman who works there that said, so, It's okay with you if a school feeds their players steak and lobster every meal. And I I didn't know how to respond without being (laughs) snarky, but I said, I don't think they're going to do that. But yeah, it is okay with me. I I don't have a problem with that. And so now uh, when people are saying that's an incredible advantage that East Carolina cannot afford to provide its players the same thing as North Carolina. And you're going, I just don't want to live in a world where everyone has to be malnourished because East Carolina can't afford it. Like that doesn't make any sense. And so now you go into these facilities, whether it's Alabama, Michigan, Duke, North Carolina, they have these wonderful eating facilities for the athletes. Mm-hmm. And they're competing on that level now. L- look what we can feed you. You know, we can fuel you properly. You know, the nutrition stations, all that's It's great. Like, what, what's the harm? If, if a school wants to do that, great. And to your point on the economics, there are a lot of places can't afford to do that. Too bad like if you can't afford to do it maybe you shouldn't be in this business and and like we don't have rules in the hamburger industry saying McDonald's can do more right. for their employees than the local mom and pop shop can so everybody has to get paid less it it, it it the world doesn't work that way so then last question on this we'll take a break come back and um you know
1: I'll, I'll try and delve into what name image and like this will look like and we're already getting a sense of that already mm-hmm. Um, You were also at the NBA Combine in Chicago. I want to hit you on that and some of the other aspects. Jay Bill is here for the rest of the hour. But my last question for you here is what would be, you know, how much would a quarterback at the SEC make? You know, how much would the quarterback at Alabama make? Is it possible that somebody would make more money being the quarterback at Alabama than being the star wide out for – the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, like, is I mean, it entirely I, possible I that we see it, that one yeah, day?
0: It, it could be entirely possible. But to me, that's the free market. That's what the players are worth. And I don't have any problem with it. You know, we don't ask, not that you're not asking, but we don't ask, like, what did Natalie Portman make while she was in college? Mm-hmm. Like, Because she did movies. And there there are a bunch of musicians out there that are on music scholarships and they're not told what they can earn or accept while they're in school and have it affect their status. To me, the only thing the NCAA needs to do is the only thing they need to police on the eligibility front is, is, is the athlete a full-time student enrolled in good standing? That's it. The rest of it is up to the individual school. Now, if an individual school doesn't wanna pay an athlete, then don't. If they don't wanna allow their athletes to take advantage of NIL, then tell them. If you're here, we don't allow that. That's fine. Just like BYU doesn't allow their students to drink caffeine, like go ahead, but there'll be other other entities in the marketplace that will allow them to do that, and maybe maybe more athletes will start going to these other places. But- what what about the idea that
1: another school can come in after one year at Alabama and say, "I'll pay you more for your sophomore year"? What do you think? Is that is that a something that? Like free agency, or well, is it, or is it a, free letter, or a letter? I know there's a transfer portal, yeah. if you will, and there's time or what have you. But that's based off of well, you just lost your playing time there. You need playing time. You can come here, or or who knows? But what if it's a money thing? Like I, you know, you said no to us your freshman year, but hey, we saw what you did sophomore year. You can hit it. More than what you're going to be paid in your second year of your letter of intent, You open know what I'm question. And,
0: and but is it? It'll probably be via contract. So the schools, right now, the way NAL is supposed to work, the schools aren't going to be able to participate in providing the players' deals. Right. But ultimately, that's what's going to happen. Damn, um, because you know you're. you're it, it, there's too much money out there for the schools. So the university, in the future, the university mark and the player are gonna be used together because those revenue streams are, are just too valuable. And the universities will see that and they'll, they'll go that direction. But right now that, that would be prohibited. But if you were to say, hey, to, to hey, Rich Eisen quarterback at Michigan, hey, the quarterback at Ohio State right now is making twice what you're making. If you transfer to Ohio State, pretty sure you're gonna get that too. Um, yeah, that could, that could be a powerful uh, draw, but you know, right now we're not, we're not restricting athletes or we're not restricting any other, you know, spending control or business, uh, issue in college sports. It's just the athlete. I don't have a problem with it. And that's why I think pay the players because if you sign them to a contract, they're not going to be going anywhere. Um, that that's, that's where ultimately I think this should go. And people say, well, you know, what are we going to pay them? How do we know? All these universities have 30,000 employees. They don't stay up at night going, do we pay the landscape professional the same as the head coach? Like, what do, we do I don't know how to do this. But there's so much turnover in athletics, like there's no turnover with their employees. There's all kind of turnover. They have 300 athletes. They can figure it out. It's not that big of a deal.
1: Jay Bill is here on the Rich Eisen Show. We'll come back and take a look at what name, image, and likeness might look like uh, in the NCAA when it starts tomorrow. And then we'll talk some NBA with some... Pretty big news that happened last night. Jay Bill is here on the Rich Eisen show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, o o o O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road.
0: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> back here on the rich Eisen show uh peacock audience is right here radio audience away for three more minutes jay billis uh couldn't help but notice on your instagram account the other day you dressed ready to play some golf uh that uh uh your 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 golf game needs a little bit of work and uh we noticed that through this uh post match interview from your instagram account the other day
0: seventh hole was uh really pivotal uh in in the match and for me you know, after uh, hitting a great tee shot, and, and really, I put my best swing on the provisional. And I was really impressed with my low point control on the chip out sideways. Uh, then I had to make a decision. Uh, you know, I was thinking, talking to my caddy, I was thinking, what would Tiger do? Uh, what would what would Justin Thomas do? Uh, Tiger would probably hit the stinger. Uh, JT would probably go with the trap draw. Uh, I decided to go with the, the skull. And uh, that's a shot of mine, uh, I, I pull it off routinely, um, and I, I scull uh, the hell out of it, uh, and two chips later, uh, 20 feet for, you know, 20 feet, and, you know, it's good, uh, what can I tell you, I mean, they gave it to me because I was out of the hole, but uh, it all felt the same, it was a great feeling, and You know, doing something that uh, that Tiger and Jack have never done. Uh, You know, first flight, uh, or fifth flight, actually. Fifth flight of uh, the member guest. You know, they've never done that, and uh, I've got a chance to do it. It feels great.
1: Impressive. Just really (laughs) impressive how much composure you had in that
0: post-match interview, Jay. That's impressive. Yeah, the fifth flight of the Charlotte Country Club member guest is often referred to as the fifth major. (laughs) Uh, So... You know, and then the
1: skull F, um, you know, I just just shows you your, your your influence, and you're an influencer. Hey, did you see DeChambeau on 17 at the U.S. Open? I think he tried that shot. It, well, it's <laughs> you
0: have to practice it a lot to be able to pull it off on command. It's well, something I've been able to do. He probably
1: knew all the angles.
0: Just yeah. like you, you know exactly how to have your angles for that type of shot. Just because you've got all the analytics down doesn't mean you can pull that shot off when you need it. <laughs> are, you still, are, you, are you still a 6.5, Jay? Uh, I think I've... I've Trended up to a 6.7. I mean, impressive. Damn. Impressive. That's getting worse, actually. I don't know. I if know, but, know. But, uh, but, but, no, but I'm saying I'm single worse. digits is, Come on.
1: is nice. I mean, that means you're breaking
0: 80. That's what you're doing on a. Di- you're on, breaking 80 sometimes. Okay. On, yeah. your,
1: on your best day, you're shooting like a. Yeah.
0: 70 What's now? the best round you've ever shot? I had a uh, 72 uh, overseas on a course in Ireland called, oddly enough, called Duke's. D O O K S, a very okay. charming place in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful golf
1: course. Wow. So, Dukes, that's interesting. In Ireland, 72. Yeah. So, and you I, have. I yeah. counted all the strokes and.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I counted them all. Unlike Stuart <laughs> played, Scott back in the day. played all 18 That's holes. a fact. That's a fact.
1: I got Jay Billis right here on The Rich Eisen Show. We're here on Peacock. We're back here on The Rich Eisen Show Radio uh, Network. Jay Billis here in studio having a good time. Talking about his golf game as we just did here on Peacock. All right, so let's get into what name, image, and likeness can look like. Graham Mertz, the quarterback of the Wisconsin Badgers, did you see what he did? No. Okay. He has come up with a logo. There it is on the screen. That's his logo. And he trademarked it, and I I imagine he'll put it on apparel or what have you. It looks very Tiger Woods-like, to be honest with you. That's cool. But, you know, but that's yeah. it. That's the G and the M, and he's ready to he is ready to come out of the N I L box tomorrow. Like,
0: yeah, that's And they it. should. And the players should. I mean, do I think that that all these players are going to be able to sell their own apparel lines? No. But they should be able to participate in commerce just like everyone else. And and it's amazing how a lot of people are freaking out over this. That oh my, you know, like the floodgates are opening to the you know, the gates of hell here. And I had somebody text me this morning about it saying, now, so you're telling me if a player um, starts a, a, a company, an LLC to sell t-shirts that boosters could buy an equity stake in that company? And I go, yeah, if they wanted to, unless the school or the conference prohibits it. Uh, yeah, they could. You know, do you really think that's you know, the the apocalypse being upon us, I don't. I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: What if it's in a state where the, and again, this is where we're relying on your law degree, where I think, you know, and I'm definitely going to uh, screw this up. I think you once attempted to put Barney behind bars, if I'm not
0: mistaken. Right? That would have been a, okay. a good result, but, I think, for everyone.
1: <laughs> for, right. So, um but... What happens if a you know a state like California, Florida says go ahead and make your make your money off your name, image, and likeness, and then a school says no, you cannot have a booster put that money in your LLC that is legal under the NIL. That's something we won't allow you to do. Will this wind up in like a state supreme court and then wind
0: up in front of the U.S. Supreme Court? At some it point could. I mean, if, if the if the, the state allows it, mm-hmm. then I can't imagine the university trying to prohibit it. But that that's sort of what I believe this should be in in, in the grand scheme of things, is that individual entities, I- individual schools should be able to make their own decisions on how they want to handle their programs and their their employees and their workers. And the Supreme Court made it pretty clear that athletes are workers. They consider athletes to be workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if uh, if a school doesn't want to pay a player, then no pay a player. If you don't really, you don't even have to give a player a scholarship. So while while we're, you know, not to uh, totally avoid your question, but while we're worried about uh, sort of fairness across the board, is this going to be fair to this player versus that player? You know, what about the offensive lineman when the quarterback's going to be the most valuable? We don't ask that question with regard to playing time. You know, the, the coaches don't say, well, you know, we need to play everybody the same amount of minutes. It's only fair. They're all working just as hard. And and uh, our SID needs to be mindful that we can't have the media just going to the quarterback after the game. They've got to ask questions of everybody. Exactly. We've got to make everybody available. I have no problem so so with this
1: NIL stuff at all, Jay. It's It it can be totally incumbent upon the quarterback to tell, I always use the name Buddy Garrity because I, you know, it's a pop culture phrase that people understand as a booster and a guy mm-hmm. who like owns a car place and in whatever you know town, you, you could easily tell Buddy Garrity, you want to hire me to pitch your cars, you gotta get my lineman too. Yeah, you gotta pay my to. lineman. It's like you know, most favored nations. You pay me to get me. You gotta get my lineman taken care of too. Period End a story, and I have no problem with that. I have no problem with this player, you know, uh, going ahead and saying, you know, you, uh, I'm worth this much. I'm the star player here. A- any of the the women that we just saw crush it on the worldwide leader right. in sports, playing softball, where the whole the country was locked in on that. Why shouldn't they get their money because they just hit a great home run or they had a should. terrific play? I have no
0: problem with that. At but the funny all. part about this discussion None. with me, Rich, is, you know, so we're talking about how much an athlete might be worth, and we're using, you know, the abstract because they haven't been allowed anything. So we, we always start at zero that most of them aren't even worth the scholarship. Well, yeah, actually, that's the least amount they're worth because that's what they're allowed. That, that's that's right. the only thing they're allowed. Um, but if you start looking at the the employees, uh, of of the athletic department, the paid employees right now, whether they're assistant coaches or director of basketball operations or the analytics guys or what whatever you name the employee, mm-hmm. so they're worth six hundred thousand dollars plus benefits, really, but not the athletes. Like the offensive lineman's worth worth barely a scholarship, mm-hmm. according to some people, but the director of operations is worth two hundred fifty thousand, or the strength coach is worth a million. Like, come on, man, the players are worth a ton. And the fact that we're worried, so deathly afraid that there are gonna be these quote unquote bidding wars shows you how valuable they are. Mm-hmm. And they ought to be able to realize upon that value. And if we have reasonable business restrictions to deal with, I'm cool with that, let's talk about it. But we, we, the players start at zero. Like I look at it almost like a faucet. So for the rest of the world, the, the business faucet is turned on mm-hmm. completely. With an athlete, college athlete, we're talking about, well, how many drips are we going to allow the athlete? Let's start with zero, and then we'll start talking about how many drips, and maybe we open it a little bit. And to me, that's not the way it goes. We, let's deregulate this completely. And amateurism's dead. Allow the athletes, like, th- their only worry should be, is this legal, uh, am I paying my taxes? Am I doing, you know, are you doing all the things? Because we don't worry about this stuff. When when we snarkily told them when they were quote unquote amateurs, when we told them, hey, you want money? Go get a freaking job. Nobody worried about their tax consequences when we told them that. Right. Or whether they could show up on time for work or whether their job would affect their, their football or their basketball or all that stuff. Or academics. Or their academics. Nobody cared about that. We say, you want money? Get a damn job like the rest of us. Well, they're they're now they have a job like the rest of us uh and they're being treated like the rest of us Let, at least on the nil front last question for you on this jay uh
1: i'm sure you've been asked this before i might have asked you like would you be interested in running the ncaa like if if Emmert was out if somebody's just like said hey this last go around with the ncaa we're getting her ass kicked in front of congress we're getting her let's go yeah. in a totally different direction that this this is now obvious where things are going they see you on tv you've got a outstanding background in the law as well as knowing the the business and college athletics would you be interested in something i have like
0: always said that i will do whatever i can to help so if i felt like it was helpful mm-hmm. and there would be some authority behind it to where you could actually do what you felt was appropriate then of course i would i that that will never happen why because my views even though a lot of this stuff I feel like I've been proven right of late. Well, I mean, the canary Mike, in the coal mine is dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jay, and, I mean, and, and, and buried. And you know? Emmert and Mark Emmert and Don Remy, his his second hand, who's now going into the Biden administration, they stomped that canary to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the truth is, Rich, this didn't have to happen. The Supreme Court decided the Alston case because the NCAA appealed it to the Supreme Court. And, and they did so after having a favorable ruling in the Ninth Circuit. Like, the Ninth Circuit kept amateurism alive and didn't touch the the good stuff out of the Board of Regents case. Yeah, they spiked their own football on themselves. It's like they couldn't handle somebody telling them, okay, you can't do this one little part. You can do the rest. Right. Can't do this one little part. And they freaked out.
1: I know, which is why if I'm a school president or I'm a school anybody, I would say, what the hell are we doing? Like, get this guy out. Let's get somebody in. We see which way the wind is blowing. Like I said, the canary in the coal mine dropped out a very long time ago. That's why I mean you. So you don't. I, think would it if, could... I would
0: if I'd help. I don't think they would ever do that because it would it would be capitulating, you know, and sort of giving up on all the things they've argued for all these years. Like that, it's got to be difficult. Like I do, I have so many friends within the structure, right? ADs, presidents, um, e- even people in Indianapolis that work in the NCAA office. Most of them are the overwhelming majority are great people. They've been hamstrung by bad policy. Um, but, but I do feel for them that, that they've, they've ridden this horse for so long and now the horse is dead. They rode it into the ground and, and their whole way of thinking is going to have to change. Now, I think it's going to be easy for it to change because they're going to see that it's not that big of a deal. There's a lot of money to be made, not just for the athletes. The universities are going to make a lot of money off of NIL if they allow the athletes, to use university marks in tandem. Like if they can work together, Mm -hmm. uh, athlete image and likeness along with the university mark, just like we do in the NFL, the NBA, all that stuff, there's a ton of money to be made and a ton of revenue for the universities. But they look at it, right now they look at it as, as a zero sum game. That every dollar an athlete makes is a dollar that's taken out of the university account. You know, that, that if, if a, a car dealer, to your example, if a car dealer is given a, a, a contract to a player, well, normally they would have given that money to the school. And so the school is looking at that. We're losing money by athletes making money. I don't see it that way. And I think they're going to find out it's not going to work that way in the long run. Jay Bill is
1: here in studio uh, on the Rich Eisen show. Um, what goes on at an NBA combine? What does it? I, I, I missed it. I'll be very honest with you. I know what it goes on at an NFL combine. Or is there just a lot of chit-chat, horse trading, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of
0: rumors? There's some similarities then, to it. Right. Um, you know, they do the the anthro stuff, so they all do, uh, you know, the vertical leap, and they do the shuttles, and okay. they run, and all that stuff, the three-quarter court sprint. So they get all their time, and they get measured with their wingspans, right. which makes me very happy. Uh, <laughs> and then they, uh, but then they play. So the, the top prospects, after getting measured, and getting, and they do interviews, just like the NFL combine. Uh-huh. Um the uh but then they play. They play five on five. Okay. So we actually see what they do. Yeah, but the 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 best players don't play, or the the, the expected top draft picks don't play. Like the that's, quarterbacks yeah, don't throw at the combo. Yeah, that's been that way forever. And why would you why would you give them an extra peak when you don't have to? Uh then you know, we go to this thing where we are at the level now and have been for a while. Guy plays well on day one, doesn't play on day two. You know, his, his agent tells him to shut it down. And that's fine. I mean, you don't have mm. to play. But because the players right now, before they're drafted, they're not members of the NBA Players Association. They're not required to do anything right. the NBA says. Yeah, right. And uh, so, you know, maybe in the future that's something they'll look at because the, the NBA combine now, uh, the NBA draft combine has become uh, – there's a it's a public event now. The, the TV, TV covers it. And, oh, yeah. You know, I played in the uh, – so in 1986, I went to the, it was called the uh, NBA pre-draft camp Yes. in Chicago, Moody Bible Institute, I think. You know, Dennis Rodman played in Scott Skiles, uh, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I was one of the idiots wow. that played in. Yeah. And, like, look, look at some of those names. There were some pretty good players that played in my, my that's name. That's very, hun- I, I mean, that's, uh, that's a hunky guy on in the list. photograph, I'm not going to lie. Really attractive. I, I would think. agree. <laughs> look at the hair. Um, Nate McMillan was on your team? Nate McMillan was on my team. and uh but it was it was an awesome experience. But there was no coverage of that. They let no, them, that pretty... they let the media in like there was this was a pretty funny one. So they let the media in to do interviews. So we're all kind of lined up uh, against the the bleachers that had been pushed in at this place. And I'm being interviewed by some local media from maybe North Carolina or the Southeast or something. And Scott Skiles is standing right next to me, sure. getting interviewed by all the media from Michigan.
1: And He's Michigan
0: State, Michigan right? State. Oh, sure. Great player at Michigan State. Played in the NBA for a long time. Coached for a long time in the NBA. So he, they they ask him, is this the hardest thing you've ever done? And he said, I just got out of jail. He goes, this is club med. It's <laughs> was like, damn, I'm in the wrong place. I don't know if I can handle this. Well, in the NFL, that would be a red flag. I'll be yeah. honest with you.
1: Uh, you know, having been to a combine here and there. So, who's number one? Who do you think goes to the Pistons? Uh,
0: I think Cade Cunningham okay. from Oklahoma State will All be right. number one. There you he's go. He's the most complete player. You know, six eight handles it. Point guard shoots it. He does. He does everything. Plays a both ends of the floor. He's not a freak athlete, but he's very athletic. He, he'll, he'll do just fine. But th- this is probably the deepest draft that. Top to bottom, like one through 60, the deepest draft that I've covered. That's um, good. It's been my first draft for ESPN was 2003. The LeBron, uh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, Carmelo draft. Darko draft. Too. The Darko. The Darko draft. draft. Um, Darko so,
1: so this Miller is the Chitch. deepest one. Oh my gosh. And, you know, the m- main scuttlebutt at the people maybe chit chatting was what? If Ben Simmons is a viable Philadelphia 76er anymore? Because that happened just as the combine was hitting Woj had a story about, you know, um, rich Paul of clutch sports meeting
0: with Philly brass and things of that name. Where, where do you stand on that subject matter? I mean, Jay? the more they talk about it right now, the harder it is to trade Ben Simmons for value. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, that's the hardest sort of thing that I've seen evaluating a player is normally when a player has a struggles to shoot the ball in college, we say and, and it's accurate that that that's going to improve. That's one area where right. the player can really improve. And you know, I, I don't know anybody that said, "Well, he's going to be afraid to pull the trigger in five years." Um, <laughs> nobody said that. It's incredible. And it, it's 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 incredible. It's like watching David Duval when he had the yips or or couldn't couldn't draw the club back and all that stuff. It, it I can't figure it out. Um, because there have been a lot of players that shot it poorly in college that went on to be decent shooters and guys you had to go out and guard Ben Simmons does it. And he works hard. Like he, he, he's an excellent defender. It's not like he's, he's, you know, taking it easy. Only right. to play on offense, that kind of stuff. Um, but, but it's clearly a, a mental problem, a mental issue for him. And one that he needs to get over. Cause he's an all-star without being able to shoot it. If he could shoot it a little bit, you know, he'd be, he'd be up there in the, the, the very top echelon. Yeah, I mean,
1: regressing is definitely the word. So in the NFL, we always say it takes five years to see whether somebody is, you know, NFL worthy or not, see if a draft can pan out team-wise. Obviously, other individual players like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you can kind of get the drift. Mm-hmm. What, what about the NBA? I mean, is it possible that we're still can evaluate Ben Simmons at this point in time of his career? Yeah, uh, I mean, mm-hmm.
0: he can still continue to get better. I mean, I was joking with a couple of friends of mine that, you know, right now we're, we're talking about some different players that uh, one of them was Qu- uh, Chris Duarte from Oregon. And he's saying, well, he's 23 years old, like like he's ancient and he'll be retiring after his rookie year or something. When, when that was the age of a lot of guys when they came into the league 15 years ago. Um, that that everybody was a senior, and you talked about them being a, a rookie that had a lot to learn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, now it's it seems like these younger guys have an advantage because they haven't established who they are yet, and they've got a lot of room for growth. So uh, sometimes you're hearing about a guy, he you know he's only 18. Well, okay, but how good is he? And do you really think he can get that much better? Uh, but some of these players, like I, I would love to see if the NFL. Mm-hmm took the restrictions off of when they can when they can declare and go into the draft. I think the NFL would be just like the NBA. They'd be drafting sophomores and and they would have drafted Trevor Lawrence after his freshman right. year. Right.
1: That is, you know, and I've talked to a lot of evaluators about this. And, you know, people would say the, the this is just covering for, uh, you know, using college as a, a, a free minor league system for them. But the difference between the NBA and, and the NFL is l- some of these kids will get their heads torn off. Like some grown-ass man, 30-year-old, 32-year-old coming for for a 19-year-old or 20-year-old. It would be particularly physically devastating. It could be. For those kids. It like, But be. there are some outliers, like you would say Trevor Lawrence or Leonard Fournette, that one year where he had to go back to LSU – you know, after having that Hershel spectacular, would have been okay. yeah, there are some that would definitely have been okay, yeah. but on the
0: whole, most of them would get their asses handed. To but them. one of, but one of the th- one of the re- reasons we're able to say that is because we don't have we don't know we don't have any data on That's it right. because they're not allowed. And you know, like I, I think it would be very much the same. I think you'd have a number of players that would be able to go in and compete and make rosters and all that stuff. But but just on the talent side, they would want them as early as they could get them because they wouldn't want to, they wouldn't want to wait and risk not being able to take Trevor Lawrence when he was a freshman or something like that. Right. And you know the reason that happened like you know college football is 50 years older than the NFL. Right. and was established and the NCAA put a rule in, I don't even know how many years ago it was, 75, 80 years, a rule where if you worked in any capacity in the professional leagues, you couldn't you you were ineligible to work in college. So if you coached in the NFL whatever, you couldn't come back and, yeah. and ever work in college. And the NFL actually went to the NCAA on bended knee and said, please don't do this. You'll kill us before we get off the ground. Right. And they, they guaranteed them, we will not touch your players until they graduate. We won't draft them until they graduate. And that you know, was the way that works. You know when that changed? Like, they didn't start, the NFL didn't start drafting juniors because they thought, well, players have advanced now. Now they're ready and they won't right. get their ass handed to them. Right. They did it because the USFL started drafting juniors.
1: Hmm. that makes sense 1984 and now we have nick saban
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: exactly (laughs) jay bill is here on the rich eisen show we'll take a break one last segment uh i do want to stroll down memory lane that time where you took on carver high here in los angeles california that was quite a a
0: big was a big one a lot of transfers that was back when free agency was in in (laughs) high school because milton reese transferred to no one was asking how much is ken howard making you're damn right
1: We have four fictional characters, basketball characters, that we're wondering who would make the best NBA draft prospect. First up is the point guard from the Venice Beach locals, Sydney Dean,
0: great handle, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, somewhat of a trash talker, a little bit of a gym rat, Mm -hmm. and uh, but really hustles uh, out on the floor. That's right. uh, As a blacktop, really, he he never. He's not yet played an indoor game. It's all been outdoors, Mm -hmm. so uh, you know his jump shot may be pushed by the wind to Mm -hmm. go in Mm -hmm. or or to go out. We'll Mm -hmm. see, you know, how he does in (laughs) an indoor game. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) He is undersized and tends to over dribble a little bit. And, uh, and he also tends to hustle in a, in a negative fashion. But he has played against quality competition, including Freeman Williams, uh, Nigel Miguel, who played at UCLA, Marcus Johnson was in that movie, yeah. and then Gary Moeller, who played at uh, UC Santa Barbara, whose dad pitched for the Dodgers, Joe Moeller.
1: <laughs> Next up is, is from uh, Hickory High School, uh, shooting guard Jimmy Chitwood.
0: Jimmy Chitwood, spot up shooter, uh, uh, tends to demand the ball, uh, especially in huddles. Uh, he'll make his teammates better, although not particularly supportive of Ollie uh, when he uh, took that free throw, those free throws at the end of the game, the underhands against uh, the underhand free throws against Cedar Knob yeah. was the opponent, and uh, who doesn't enjoy saying Cedar Knob on national radio? Uh, the problem he's he's not always motivated, and uh, Jimmy Chitwood tends to get a little chummy with the alumni and I think a little questionable relationship with his teacher, Barbara Hershey. Wow, Wow! whoa, whoa. Uh, whoa. But, okay, uh, that's I, a red I, flag. I liken him to Clay Thompson with, uh, without the defense. Okay,
1: uh, next up, another high schooler from Carver High, uh, center Warren Coolidge.
0: Physically imposing, uh, rebounds at a high level, was coached by uh, an NBA player, Ken Reeves, who had a wonderful <laughs> fictional career with the uh, Chicago Bulls before getting injured. Yeah, that was tough. A fantastic locker room singing voice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, reminds you a lot of Ben Wallace with uh, with sort of a Barry White voice. The, the problem is, you know, tends to be a little unmotivated. Yep. And wasn't necessarily the best player uh, on that show. Uh, Wolf Perry was on that show uh, who played at Stanford. And then uh, you may not know this, but uh, Jay Billis was once on that show. Oh! oh! All right, last
1: one for you. Uh, this is a, he, he plays tons of position: guard, forward, and center from Beacon Hills High School. Uh, Teen Wolf, Jay. What do you think about his uh, abilities? Teen here?
0: Wolf. Whose name uh, in the film was Scott Howard mm-hmm. uh, when he wasn't uh, wasn't a wolf um, great vertical leap plays above the rim uh, I think you could refer to him uh, literally and figuratively as a beast uh, only 53 but plays much bigger yep uh, the problem is he comes from a small town in Nebraska so he'd have to cut family ties mm. uh, and then wow. he's uh, occasionally violent although his hair is perfect
1: Closer performance by Jay Bellis back then. We're back here on The Rich Eisen Show with Jay Bellis in studio on this Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. All right. I saw you even Instagram this out because I follow you on Instagram as well. Uh, you Instagrammed out your appearance on the White Shadow back in the day. <laughs> How did you wind up on the White Shadow back in the day?
0: One of, of my abilities? high school teammates, uh, Matt Baker, his dad, Dick Baker, was mm-hmm. the head coach at Loyola Marymount at mm-hmm. one point, and and has been an NBA scout for a million years. So back in that time during the '70s, he was in Hollywood as a an ex. He, he did a lot of work as an extra. Every movie back in the '70s that had basketball in it, yes, Dick Baker was like the official, uh, the referee and like one on one like Robbie Benson all of that. Yeah, I don't know if it's one on one. Okay, fish that that ate the uh, the the fish that saved Just about bird. I mean you name it. I mean he's in the 6 million dollar man, all these different <laughs> things. So he was a technical consultant for the White Shadow. Okay. So in 1978, 79 probably, um, he got our team on the show as the opposing team mm-hmm. uh, of Carver High. Mm-hmm. And the plot of the the particular show was one of the Carver players was transferring to essentially this all-white high school. And uh, he was leaving Carver mm-hmm. and transferred to our school. And uh, and so we were the players on the opposing team. We were all 16, 17 years old, and had no idea that all of the actors that played the mm-hmm. Carver High players were in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking to these guys, you know, the, the director would yell cut, and then we'd start talking to them you know, like like they went to a Crosstown High School. We're mm-hmm. like, hey, my mom's picking me up after this. You know, how are you getting home? And guy's lighting up a cigarette going, get away from me, kid. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Did you meet Ken
1: Howard that day? Did yeah, you meet him? Yeah,
0: I met him and, uh, and, you know, Salami and all these all, all cool. those guys. Coolidge. Coolidge. Uh, they were great. Um, aside from Coolidge, though, yes. none of them could play dead.
1: Like they were No, them. they were
0: actors. So none of them could play. And so they used to do these dolly shots where the, yeah. the the gym they played in was on a soundstage. So there was you know it was it was made up. I mean it's tiny. Yeah. And in order to dunk, they would have to jump. Except for Coolidge, they would have to jump off a ramp. Um, no. Lot lot of lot of cuts to a shot going through the basket that they didn't necessarily make. <laughs> um, it was pretty funny. A lot, in, in a way, as a 17-year-old kid, look very at, disappointing.
1: Look at that number three in your program, number one in your heart. Look at the Oak Ridge forward right there. Now, you you were being berated because you that were was, laughing during yeah,
0: uh, uh, the coach that tearing was the, the, your team a new one, correct? That was the opening of the show. So so we're coming into the <laughs> locker room. We'd, we'd just been beaten, I think, and uh, and the coach is supposed to yell at me. Yes. And so uh, they, had, they had inserted our high school into it. So essentially, our high school name had mm-hmm. just beaten Oak Ridge. Mm-hmm. And so he's yelling at another player, and I started laughing, and then he turned it on me. And, uh, and so it wound up being like I, it was foreshadowing for playing for Coach K. Uh, because that was basically every postgame speech for the remainder of my career. So you never laughed at a Coach K during the middle of a Coach
1: K uh Not scream, during it. Right? I waited until he left the room. <laughs> and then we started laughing. <laughs> Jay Williams told about a time where, where, where Coach K's hip went out during,
0: uh, during a speech or something like that. And he was down on the floor. Or He's something had like a that? few of those where. He said that? You know, like one time uh, when I was a grad assistant, he wanted to show the the team that they weren't going after loose balls like Mm -hmm. they needed to. So he threw a ball in front of in front of the team in Mm -hmm. the locker room and then dove on it and wriggled around and, Mm -hmm. you know, growled. And this is what you do. And then when he went back into the coach's locker room, he dropped down on his knees and he's like, uh-uh. you know, because he, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was, you know, he was 50 some years old. If I did that now, I'd be injured. The same thing. Right? And, uh, and so, you know, a couple of times it would get away from the, the, the thing I laughed at most w- with the coach K and he, he is, he's the best coach and the best guy. Of course. Sure. But uh, he had a thing once when I was a player where he, he gave us the, what for about, we need to have attention to detail. Like no detail is too small. And we have to be able to tell each other tough things. We have to be tough enough where we hold each other accountable. And if somebody makes a mistake, we we correct it. And and the guy doesn't get upset about it. He takes the correction and all that, you know, accountability and and uh, you know and attention to detail. So then he goes and then he says and, and now the specifically these three things we have to clean up. And number one on the list was rebound, and he spelled it R E B O U B. So Billy King, who later on was the uh, president of the 76ers, yeah, right. and that's leaned over to me and says, do you think he wants us to point that out? Yeah. Like, like attention, attention to detail. Yeah, like, right, he's right. testing us. Oh, yeah. right. I go, yeah, you do it. <laughs> so Rebound? we didn't say anything. Right. The rest of practice, every time a shot went up, we go rebound, <laughs> and he caught on. He goes, "Oh yeah, that's real funny. Very good, real funny." Uh, he didn't care for that one. Rebound, rebound. <laughs> Duke is not a good rebounding team. That might come out this year that's in his final that's year. It, yes. Duke is not a good rebounding team.
1: If they could only rebound better. <laughs> but I love that Billy thought like that might be like a. F- four dimensional chess way of Coach K trying to see if
0: you're paying attention. We were afraid of disappointing him. That not only that not only that we would get the Carver <laughs> High treatment or the Oak Ridge Coach treatment, but that that we you know we didn't want to disappoint him. And so if he asked us to do something, we wanted to do it. Uh, but, but we were thinking that way that, that is this a test? This is, okay. What do we do here? Do we need to do this?
1: Jay Billis, everybody follow him on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Jay
0: Billis on Twitter and at real deal. It it changed to at Jay Billis on, I was able to get the real deal up there because so many people grab that name. Can you imagine all the people who want that? It is your name, image and likeness.
1: (laughs) We're back here on Peacock in a second, hour three coming up. We're still here on TV. That's the way things work around here. So before there was NIL, there was FNB—fruits, nuts, and
0: and, fruits, nuts, and, bagels. and bagels. Yeah. <laughs> so there was FNB before NIL. Yeah, come then, a long way from FNB. Man. Come a long way that you couldn't have you couldn't have a spread on your bagel. Otherwise, it was a meal and come counted on. against which, you.
1: Which school was serving bagels? Like was all there... of them.
0: All of them? Yeah, you, you, that's all you could give to the players, like, before a morning workout or something like that. Bagels? And, yeah, the player. That's yeah. like. It was so stupid, because you'd have to call. Bagels? A schmear. We, we would call compliance and say, can we give the players cereal? Nope. Can't do it. It's Come on. Not, you, that, was, that was the way it worked. And some schools used to, like, I used to hear from coaches about this stuff all the time. Uh, some schools would would say we have three people called the NCAA separately and we get three different interpretations. We just pick the one we like. That. <laughs> and that's how screwed up things were. This was my favorite. This was years ago to school. I can't tell you the name, but okay. uh, schools got parking rules. So seniors get the best parking, of course, uh, followed by juniors and the like. So junior basketball player is rooming with senior manager. Junior basketball player has a car. Senior manager doesn't. Senior manager, who's who's his roommate, says, "How about this? I'll get a parking pass, and you can use it. You just pay for it at the end of the year." Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, they do that. The junior goes into the junior basketball player goes to the bursar's office to pay for the parking pass, but it's on the on the, the senior manager's name. So somebody in the bursar's office says, "Well, why are you doing that? That's kind of weird." So they just called somebody in compliance. Compliance says, "Well, we better check with the NCAA." they suspended the player for i don't know how many games 7 games Ugh. because they deemed the senior manager a member of the basketball staff so that was an impermissible benefit <laughs> and you're going wait a minute he's living with a member of the basketball staff yeah like that that's so stupid i couldn't believe it and but that kind of thing has been going on for 100 plus years now maybe with NIL and the fact that the players, and maybe we'll start, st- we'll begin to stop all of this ridiculousness. And uh, there, there's a, a, a tennis player from UMass mm-hmm. named Brittany Collins, um, who found out, she's a professional tennis player, but found out recently that her team, all of their records were vacated because... Uh, they received a $250 credit uh, for a phone jack in, in, on a rotary phone in their dorm. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that goes on. Impermissible benefit. Jay Billis here on The Rich Eisen Show. Thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks for having you
1: me. Honored to be here. Billis.